What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I'm your host. I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. I am joined here today by the boys, Kyle Soppy. He can be found on Twitter at Kyle Soppy PFN and Derek Tate. He can be found on Twitter at Derek Tate NFL. Gentlemen, I woke up today, and it was 45 degrees outside, which is sweatshirt weather, which is my Adidas soccer pants. I've got those on. I am in my element. I am ready for some fall football weather. How about you? I, I love where you're headed at. We got a week until this stuff counts. I am so it's not quite hoodie weather over here yet, which I'm okay with. Like I'm I'm very much a warm weather guy, so I'm okay with holding on onto that a little bit. But we are close to football and close to it counting, and I'm here for it. Yeah, it was like mid 50s when I woke up this morning. But the folks over at the Sheets that live or that sets up about less than a quarter mile away from my house are used to seeing me in my my jammies all the time. So it's, it's a regular occurrence to be wearing comfy clothes around the house and to the local gas station. So, but I'm glad to be here, and we're a week away from NFL football. Let's get into some high upside players here. I'm looking forward to this conversation here because well, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Let's get to. The first of what will be many this year if a keep trade cut. Now that we do have some drafts in the books here, we've got players on rosters and fantasy managers have to make some tough decisions here. If you are looking to trade some players, we obviously have a free trade calculator that you can find over at pfnfantasy.com. It's absolutely free. We got the the coolest thing is that you can customize for your league size. Those trade values, if you're playing in the eight-team league, those trade values are dramatically different than in a 12-team or 14-team league. So go check that out, pfnfantasy.com. But gentlemen, keep trade cut here. We're looking at some players that are at the wide receiver position that are essentially going right next to one another in ADP. Who are you keeping, trading, and cutting between Calvin Ridley, Keenan Allen, and Amari Cooper? Sapi, I'll start with you first. Yeah, I mean, this is a tough question because they're all top 20 guys. So, like, I'm in no hurry to get rid of any of them. And I'm, you know, I want to keep them all. But for the... For the sake of the segment here, I think Calvin Ridley's ADP has gone a little far this summer, even for me. Like, I love Ridley. I think he has a big year. But if I'm going to trade somebody, I want significant value for it. So I think he's returning the best value of these three. I'm going to hold on to Keenan Allen because everybody's like ageist over here. Nobody wants to admit that a receiver that's not set to hit his prime can have a huge year. I think Keenan Allen, one of the better route runners in the game, in an offense that's ready to take that next step with Kellen Moore, Keenan Allen in for a big year. So that leaves me with cutting Amari Cooper. Obviously, you're not dropping him in a league, but the question marks that come with Deshaun Watson, I think they have some legit talent in Cleveland that could suck away some targets from Cooper. So if I have to cut one, he's the guy I'm trading away. Kelvin Ridley at his high price now and holding on to Keenan Allen. Derek, what about you? So I'm definitely keeping Calvin Ridley. Uh, I mean, and a lot, these players all have some similarities as the, they're all very, very, very gifted route runners, right? Um, I think that they're all the top target in what could be very good passing games this sure. year outside of maybe Cleveland, you know, Amari Cooper kind of being uh, the offense being a, more of a passing offense kind of benefiting around what should be a run heavy scheme with Nick Chubb. But yeah, I'm keeping Calvin Ridley. I think that if Trevor Lawrence has a path to being a QB one overall in fantasy, then he's going to have to have a true number one emerge. I think that Calvin Ridley easily is the most targeted player in that offense. Uh, he's the most versatile and the most explosive out on the outside. No offense to Christian Kirk. Now between Keenan Allen and Amari Cooper, personally, I'm going to trade Amari Cooper. Um, I think, believe that he's kind of reached his peak i i'm a believer in elijah moore you like donovan people's jones soppy mm -hmm. there's cedric tilton tillman truthers out there as well 
Amari Cooper feels like he's kind of peaked. And while I still think he's the 1A in this offense, I do think that Elijah Moore could easily be the 1B in this offensive system. But he still has value right now. So I'm trading him. And look, that that magical number of 30 years old cannot always be kind to wide receivers in the National Football League. We we saw Keenan Allen get a little dinged up last year. Sure, he was still great on a per-game basis when he was on the football field. But now you add Quinton Johnston, Quentin Johnson to this mix i just think that there's all of a sudden if everybody's healthy there's a lot of mouths to feed there in los angeles and an aging receiver north of 30 years old that's the guy i'm going to go ahead and part ways with tough tough call though i love all the players derek uh when or i'm sorry sampi when derek said that trevor lawrence on a path to a qb1 seat did you pay him to say that you can be honest you can be honest i got the warm fuzzies like you didn't (laughs) see it but it was very much like a when you go on a first date and it just feels right like it just (laughs) that's what that felt like like i'm hearing positive things we got that and we had oh kyle i don't know if you saw this i I didn't send it your way yet it's definitely coming your way this isaiah pacheco tweet from yesterday i did not see this my man and shout out to the pfn uh, social team here for elevating this he ranked his top five running backs of all time you want the list or you want to guess Uh, go ahead i'm not gonna guess my guy went barry sanders number one adrian peterson number two ladanian tomlinson number three saquon barkley number four and isaiah pacheco at number five (laughs) nowhere on this list is damian pierce so you got Matthew Barry, you got JJ, you got Derek, you got all your support. I got the one that matters here. Pacheco clearly saying he's better than Damian Pierce. We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out on the field this year. Guys, if you want to talk to Kyle Sapi about his love for Isaiah Pacheco this sure. year, you need to get into the PFN Fantasy Discord. You can find the link for that here in your show description, wherever you're listening to the podcast or over on YouTube as well. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit that like button, subscribing uh click the bell to get notified for when new content drops but you can talk to sapi about his love for isaiah pacheco get involved in some mock drafts here and of course as we are making some start sit decisions as we move into the season this is the place to do it pfn fantasy discord completely free to join additionally we are going into a big fantasy football draft weekend that means that you need to get our free fantasy football draft kit you can find this again over at pfnfantasy.com sleepers breakouts bus cheat sheets consensus rankings everything you need to dominate your draft this weekend can be found right there at pfnfantasy.com in our free fantasy football draft kit all right gentlemen high upside players let's get into this conversation here because I don't know about you guys, but I don't play to finish in like sixth or seventh place in my league. I want to win my league. I want to bring home that trophy. And as the great Ricky Bobby once said, if you ain't first, you're last. So gentlemen, let's get into some high upside players. Sapi, I will throw it to you first. These guys can be anywhere, found anywhere throughout ADP, but we believe these guys that you want to draft because they can give you a little bit more upside than some other guys like Isaiah Pacheco. All right, Kyle Sampi. Real subtle. (laughs) High upside player number one. Where are we going? I want to start by defining kind of what high upside is for me. For me, yes, we all think of the big plays and things like that, splash plays, the highlight sports center kind of things. But to me, to be a high upside league winning type of player, you need to be somebody I'm actually putting in your lineup. Like a guy like Darnell Mooney, I can tell you has single play big game upside, and I don't doubt that he'll have three big games over the course of the year, but you aren't playing him for those three games. So really, does he have any upside? Like if he scores a bunch of bench points, does that really matter? So for me, the guys we're going through today are guys you need to at least consider on a weekly basis, that you're going to get access to that upside. And for me, I'm starting at the quarterback position with Anthony Richardson. I don't think there's a player that embodies upside 
quite like Richardson. The rookie's obviously a physical beast. He's Cam Newton with a laser rocket arm. The upside is unquestionable, and he plays a onesie position. So if you roster him and we start to see sparks of what we think could be, he's going to be in your lineup and paying that off. I mean, didn't we just see a raw athlete with limited help around him have a big fantasy season? Like, it was Justin Fields last year. I'm not saying Anthony Richardson's that, but the path to 1,000 rushing yards and 3,200 passing yards is there for a guy like this. I think he's got a pretty clear path to finish top 10. Obviously, the risk to finish outside the top 20 is there because he's a rookie on a terrible team. Like, I get it, but the upside there, for me, Anthony Richardson is where this conversation should start. It's important to note that we've got a lot of people that are tuning in here that weren't paying attention in you know the pre-draft process mm-hmm. leading into the NFL draft. So just for context here, Anthony Richardson, six foot four, two hundred and forty-four pounds playing the quarterback position. Okay, forty-yard dash. <laughs> forty-yard dash time, four point four three seconds. Ten-yard split of one point five three seconds. A vertical jump of forty and a half inches, and a broad foot jump of ten foot nine inches. It, he's literally built in a lab. And mm-hmm. now you pair him with Shane Steichen, who just led Jalen Hurts to this phenomenal sure. fantasy football season. Yes, he's a rookie. Yes, he's raw. But we've seen guys like Daniel Jones be on the fantasy radar because of their rushing ability, not necessarily what they're doing as a passer. I think the correlation that you drew to Justin Fields from last year is a fair one. Anthony Richardson could easily be a top 12 quarterback in week one for fantasy football just because of his rushing ability and what he brings there. Derek, let's start to you. High upside player number one. Yeah, the only thing I have against Anthony Richardson, obviously outside of being a rookie and having to go through the growing pains of trying to figure out how to diagnose things pre-snap, post-snap, and going through the steps of and progressions of being an NFL quarterback, uh, is who's he going to throw to? I mean, Yeah. yeah, Michael Pittman's a nice player. Josh Downs, I like as a slot guy, but we just don't really have much confidence, right, in, in a lot of those pass catchers there in Indianapolis. And, on, oh, by the way, Jonathan Taylor is not going to be uh, a safety blanket for him to hand the football to or throw screens to for the first month of the season at a bare minimum. For me, it's Geno Smith. And I understand he had a breakout year and a lot of people are skeptical. Heck, I'm a little skeptical about his breakout season. But what he put on tape last year was nothing short of phenomenal. He was one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. And there are a couple throws that he had no business even having the sense to even attempt. And yet he pulled the trigger and hit on most of those. He was phenomenal throughout the entire year trying to push the football down the field. So, and there were only four quarterbacks last year that threw 30 or more touchdown passes. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and Geno Smith. So you add Jackson Smith and Jigba to this passing offense, not to mention, I think Zach Charbonnet prospects out as a better threat out of the backfield and more efficient threat out of the backfield as a pure pass catcher than Kenneth Walker. So you add two, I think, very dynamic, explosive playmakers to go alongside DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. If we're talking about pure upside, I think that there is a path that Geno Smith not only gets inside the top five again, but even could push even higher than he finished last season. So the upside has already been shown. I still think it's there for 2023 for Geno Smith. You can't argue with the playmakers, right? You list through the playmakers that he's got, and it's among the best in the entire NFL. And if Geno Smith can simply be accurate, deliver the football around the field, and let his playmakers do the work, 
there's a path that he does finish with in the range that you're talking about there, Derek. I think that it's a little bit of a controversial take to point out Geno Smith as far as a high upside player, especially when we're talking about these guys that have the rushing upside that Geno doesn't, but he makes up for it with the playmakers and right now a price tag, price tag of QB 15 off the board. So I still think Geno has some rushing upside too, right? I, I don't think he's, obviously he's not a dynamic playmaker with his legs, but I mean, he did rush for what, over 300 yards last year. And I think that that you can kind of expect that again, maybe a couple more on the ground this season, who knows? But I, I, I think he's a, enough of an athlete to be able to give you something on the ground, just not something like Anthony Richardson. <laughs> right. Uh, that fine balance between Anthony Richardson and Tom Brady. Uh, Kyle Sapi, you are back up with high upside player number two. Yeah, we're going running backs, and people are probably sick of me talking about Khalil Herbert, and I know Derek is to a degree, but I've got him 10 spots higher at the position than he's currently going in ADP. I mean, over 13% of his career carries have gone for at least 10 yards. David Montgomery and he were both top 10 running backs in and fantasy points per carry last season, and I don't think that's a fluke next to Justin Fields. Things just open up. He gets six games in the NFC North that is just void, we'll say, of, uh, of defensive tenacity. That's probably a, about as nice as I could put that. That's, that's not a very good division when it comes to defense. Herbert, I think, has a pretty clear path to be the number one running back in an offense that we think probably takes a step forward. They're not going to be as bad as they were last year in year two of the Justin Fields experiment here at a high level. So Khalil Herbert, he's being drafted as a fringe top 100 player, and he could be starting for you week one. Like To me, that's, that's the type of value I want in a high upside guy, one that I'm plugging in as I'm, I'm drafting Herbert as my flex in drafts right now. So that means I'm starting him, or at least planning to, for 17 games this season. That gives him 17 chances to provide strong upside for me. I think he cashes in more often than not. Last season, Khalil Herbert, 129 rush attempts, 5.7 yards yeah. per carry. In this scheme, he is a perfect fit as we look at Luke Getze. And then, of course, we have talked about the correlation there with the mobile quarterback and what that can do for a, a running back to open up rushing lanes. You do have to be a little bit concerned about the rushing touchdowns upside uh, as far as Justin Fields taking those away potentially. But Khalil Herbert here, we've talked about the backfield competition. Roshan Johnson, probably not going to be a factor. Even Derek, for as much as he love, loves Roshan Johnson, not probably really. not going to be a threat to take over that backfield week one, week two. Uh, and as we look at Deontay Foreman, I don't think that he's even really much of a threat here at this point mm -hmm. either. All right, Derek, high upside player number two. Where are we going? I can objectively say that I do believe it's going to take a little bit for Roshan Johnson to get right. fully integrated into like this it. offense. But once he does, Sappy, That's fine. hold your breath. Hold your breath. That's all I'll say about Roshan Johnson. And he's not going to be my high upside guy. My high upside guy at the running back position, we're talking about pure upside, is DeAndre Swift. What backfield has more upside than the Philadelphia Eagles? They ran, they rushed for 32 rushing touchdowns last year. That led the league by a country mile. And yet 11 of those rushing touchdowns are now, are now out of the way when it comes to Miles Sanders. He is now in Carolina. I understand Jalen Hurts is a threat to lead the league in rushing touchdowns. I understand that you're going to have to contend with that. But the efficiency at which any ball carrier that sees north of 150 or 200 carries in this offense could continue to produce at a clip that I'm so excited about. And we saw last year with only 99 carries, DeAndre Swift was very, very, very efficient with his touches. 5.47 yards per carry last year with the Khalil Detroit Lions. Herbert like I, I yeah, it's Herbert-like. That's very nice of you. And then also, 
the the pass catching floor though that Herbert doesn't have that DeAndre sure. Swift has you know shown throughout the entirety of his three year career he's missed at least three games each season but he's at least caught forty six or more passes every single season he's been in the NFL there is a pass catching floor and a dynamic element to him out of the backfield that Khalil Herbert doesn't have and I don't think anybody else in that Eagles backfield has I understand that Kenneth Gainwell is someone they trust is certainly not a bad player by any stretch. But if you're asking me who the more talented runner is between these two players, who's the more dynamic pass catcher, DeAndre Swift, to me, is a much better, higher upside player than Kenneth Gainwell, and he's certainly more durable than Rashad Penny. So if if we see a similar workload that Miles Sanders got, which was 279 total touches. If DeAndre Swift gets anywhere close to that, I think he has top five potential in PPR leagues. That's how much upside I believe in uh, that DeAndre Swift has in this offense. As we as we look at DeAndre Swift right now in ADP, RB29 off the board in underdog fantasy ADP. So I was going to ask you the question of where's the where's the point where you're willing to take the risk? Because there is risk associated with DeAndre Swift, right? right. There oh, yeah. the we don't know how this backfield's going to play out. I think that you talked about some of those those risks there, right? But at RB29, I mean he's going behind Rashad White, behind Alvin Kamara, behind James Conner, like at that point, is your RB3 on your roster, he's absolutely worth taking the shot on, right, Derek? Oh, yeah, I, and that's why I think building your floor with your other running backs, like a Joe Mixon or a Damian Pierce, you know, getting those high-volume like high volume touches, even though maybe the efficiency isn't there, is essential to be able to feel comfortable taking a, a dart throw at someone like DeAndre Swift. I think the fifth, sixth round is where I would love to be able to get Swift. If I get him in the seventh, I feel like I'm stealing. It, it reminds me of like at this point last year, Josh Jacobs was settling in. Now I'm not calling for a very uh, like for the same trajectory or what all 2000 plus all purpose yards for DeAndre Swift. But Josh Jacobs last year was settled into this range of ADP. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it was worth the risk. Obviously, we know that now in hindsight, but DeAndre Swift in this offense, everything is signaling like this is a guy that's worth taking the chance on Kenneth Gainwell. And RB 50 off the board is worth taking the chance on because of this backfield and tying yourself to good offenses, right? I think that RB29, I can definitely get on board here. But as an RB2 on my roster, I think that's still just a little bit too much risk for yeah. DeAndre Swift. If I can get him as like what you talked about, Soppy, with Khalil Herbert as a flex option on my roster, mm -hmm. then I'm definitely, as an RB3 or as a flex, then I'm definitely on board with taking that chance on DeAndre Swift this year. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the last chance to get involved in some best ball drafts over on Underdog to make sure that you get some shares of these players that you believe in. With Underdog's best ball drafts, you simply draft a team and then let the season play out. No waivers, no trades, no getting your lineup decisions wrong. Sign up now at underdogfantasy.com with the code PFN and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash. When you make your first deposit of $10 or more, you deposit $100, you get $100 free. You can also click the link in your description to sign up and take advantage of this awesome offer. Head over to Underdog Fantasy and crank out some best ball drafts today. Kyle Sampi. High upside player number three. Yeah, and this is a repeat from our league winners podcast. So I'll keep it short here. But big Mike Williams, I think, just has unlimited potential here. Derek talked about the upside of DeAndre Swift from a talent standpoint and potentially cracking the top 10 at the position. I think Mike Williams has that. I mean, I think he has it easy. He could be the number one option in a Kellen Moore-led offense that we expect to be top five in scoring. We expect him to stretch the field. And the dude's already got a 10-touchdown season on his resume. I think we could see another... And if he leads this team in targets, like, I mean, you could be talking 
1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. I think the path to him finishing as a top 15 receiver is pretty clear for a guy that's being drafted outside the top 25 at the position. So I, I have no real reserves there. I mean, the downside, yes, he could get hurt. It's, he, I don't want to say he's like Swift of the receivers, but kind of. I mean, the injury risk, it's not a talent situation that you're worried about. He's going to be moved into the slot a little bit more under Kellen Moore. We learned that when Keenan Allen said he was being bumped outside on occasion. I think that elevates the floor to the point where you can put Williams into your lineup consistently and have it pay off, something we really haven't seen over the course of his career up to this point. We've talked about the dynamic of understanding ADP on the different platforms that you're drafting on, right? ADP on Sleeper is going to be dramatically different than the ADP yep. over on Yahoo. As we've run through these mock drafts and as we've done our drafts over on Sleeper, Mike Williams' ADP, you can get him as a wide receiver three every single time. Easy. Like, easy. Get him under your roster as a wide receiver three every single time. Right now, Drake London is being drafted ahead of Mike Williams, and that makes Yeesh. zero sense to me whatsoever. You have... Mike Williams potentially as the big play downfield threat in one of the league's most pass happy offenses. Mm -hmm. And then Drake London as, is he the clear number one target in a, the arguably the most run heavy offense in the NFL? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Do you guys Agreed. disagree with that? Go ahead. Dave. Well, do you have any concerns that Mike Williams, I mean, I, I know that Soppy said that he could lead the team in targets, but is there also a path where he finishes third or fourth? I, yeah, you know, I, third, I, I, third could still the, be 100 targets. <laughs> right. Well, I'm just, you know, I, we don't know what the impact of Quentin Johnson is going to be in this offense either. And Austin Eckler is one of the best pass-catching backs in the NFL. And, of course, Keenan Allen's a, a target hog in his own right. And, I look, I love Mike Williams and, and certainly understand what the upside because the upside is mm -hmm. there. That's the hesitations that I have. That's the only hesitations I'm trying to talk through with you guys and, and present as far as some things that can make me pump the brakes a little bit for a breakout season for Mike Williams. Yeah, no, there, there's concerns there. I'm not that worried about Johnston coming in and stealing too much off of his plate. And like Kyle was saying, it's opposite Atlanta. Like there is plenty of food to go around here. So I think Williams is like, I love, I didn't want to get rid of Keenan Allen in the exercise we did at the beginning of the podcast. I think if you can get yourself a piece of this Chargers offense, you do it. And at price right now, Mike Williams is a good way to do it. Even if he is the number three or number four target in this offense because of just how much they're going to throw the ball each game, Mike Williams could easily end the season with 100-plus targets. And that's not even how he makes his money for fantasy no. football. Like a high yards per reception deep downfield with Kellen Moore. We're going to see them push the ball downfield even more. Justin Herbert back healthy this year. Like, Mike Williams, 15 plus yards per reception, 100 targets. He reels in 60% of those. Like, that's a massive, massive year. And he has the upside to finish with eight plus receiving touchdowns. If Justin Herbert can be one of these phenomenal, you know, uh, quarterback options for 2023 to push potentially even for the league MVP, then Mike Williams, I mean, is just going to be have a monstrous year. So I am getting him absolutely everywhere I can. I've got him ranked significantly higher than ADP. I'm all in on Mike Williams this year. Derek, number three, high upside player. Where are we going? Yeah. So speaking of athletic options, one of the most athletic wide receiver prospects to come out in a while plays in Green Bay. And his name is Christian Watson. Now, I understand that Aaron Rodgers is no longer his quarterback. I understand that there is a potential for his efficiency to drop. However, this same offensive system produced a top five receiver named Devontae Adams. Now, do I think Devont he, Christian Watson is as good as Devontae Adams? No, but calm down. 
last season, what was the narrative that you needed to have an elite quarterback to be an elite wide receiver? We saw Justin Jefferson as the wide receiver one with Kirk Cousins. Does anybody think that Kirk Cousins is one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL? No. Tua Tungavailoa helped Tyreek Hill finish number two as at, in PPR formats at wide receiver. I would say that he's a fringe top 10 guy, and that's, you know, being kind. Then we're talking about Devontae Adams, who, what, had Derek Carr last year? He finishes the wide receiver three. And then CeeDee Lamb had Dak Prescott. He finishes the wide receiver five. And Dak missed about a month of the season, if I remember correctly. So I don't think that you need to have MVP caliber quarterback play in order to finish inside the top 10 in fantasy formats. And last year, Christian Watson showed us some of his elite level upside with some of those advanced metrics. Yards after the catch per reception, 6.7. That was fourth among wide receivers. Average depth of target, 13.8. That was 12th amongst wide receivers. And then yards per route run, 2.4, 12th amongst wide receivers. I understand that Rodgers is no longer the quarterback, but if Jordan Love gives me middle-of-the-road quarterback play and Watson is featured in this offense, he certainly has the upside as a playmaker after the catch and a deep vertical threat to sneak inside the top 10 at the wide receiver position this season. So his price tag in the middle rounds is something that I keep finding myself investing in because you're not taking him in the second or third round. You're getting him in the fourth, fifth, sometimes even the sixth. I'm okay with that. Sabi, so, hold really quick. Sabi, I've kind of been out on Christian Watson, but mm -hmm. that was a pretty damn compelling argument for Christian Watson and drafting him where he's going in drafts. What are your thoughts on Watson this year? Yeah, that was a good sell, no doubt. Uh, he had 29 <laughs> yards per touchdown catch last year, and over 56% of his points came on touchdowns. To me, the concern with Watson is that you're layering risk. Like when I went Mike Williams, I know Mike Williams is a good player. I know Justin Herbert is a good player. It's just a matter of connecting those two dots for a big year. For me, Christian Watson, as good as he was at points last year, you can't tell me that we're 100% sure he's an elite player, or at least I'm more sure of a guy like Mike Williams that's shown it a little bit more. That might not be a Watson thing. It might be a he's a second-year receiver thing. But either way, we don't know exactly what he is, and we don't know what Jordan Love is. So you're it's kind of like a parlay. You need Jordan Love to be better than what we think, and you need Christian Watson to be better than I think or at least be what he showed last year. That's my concern. There's some target competition here, maybe not directly for the number one, but you've got both running backs, you've got Dobbs, and you have Jaden Reed, who we all like, as options in an offense that I don't think is going to throw the ball a ton. I mean, you see a guy like Garoppolo through 28 passes a game last season. If that's going to be the case for Green Bay to compete here, which I kind of think it is, like Jordan Love looked good, don't get me wrong, but if they're throwing under 30 passes a game, I just don't know how many opportunities Watson can get on a per-game basis to truly break out and extend on what he did last year. See, you're talking about tar tar target competition, if we're talking about Mike Williams versus Christian Watson, well, yeah, who has yeah, that's fair. less target for who has less competition for targets? I think it's easily Christian Watson. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones are nice options out of the backfield. They're not better pass catchers than Austin Eckler. No, like, I agree. <laughs> I'm, I understand that there's hesitation when it comes to trusting and investing in the Green Bay offense because we just don't know what we're going to get from Jordan Love. But I think that presents opportunity. And if we're talking about pure upside, Soppy. I think that even though Mike Williams profiles as a very nice athletic wide receiver, I think that there's an argument that Watson is a better athlete. Watson 
has potentially going to go see more volume this year, which makes his ceiling and upside to me a little bit higher, even though he's not going to have Justin Herbert throwing him the football. So it's a great argument between who you take between Watson. I was going to say, do we have a bet here? I've got Pierce and Pacheco with the entire industry. Do you want uh, (laughs) Williams versus Watson? I'll take it. I'll take it too. Points right. per game. We gotta Matt think. Our, we gotta Matt think Fifier. what we're doing with these. I know. We definitely do. Uh, drop a suggestion in the YouTube comments if you're watching this Please and do. you you uh, have a suggestion for a bet here. This was a really really good conversation with Christian Watson, Mike Williams. The the side and the thing that I'll add to this conversation is for Mike Williams, he doesn't need to be the number one target because Los Angeles Chargers are going to throw the ball 37 times per game, 38 times per game this year. Green Bay. 28 times per game, but Christian Watson can have a 25% target share. Like that's sort of the balance and how these guys could level out. Which side are you going to lean? Are you going to lean with the Justin Herbert, the proven we've seen it, or are you going to lean with Jordan Love? He could be great. He could absolutely be awful. We we have no idea. So that is the side that kind of just splits that. Those guys are going back-to-back in ADP. So fantasy managers have to make this decision in their drafts this weekend. I think this was a really, really good conversation to help sort that out for people. All right, let's go. Let's wrap it up here. Number four, high upside player, Kyle Sapi. You're up. Yeah, I'm going Gabe Davis. I mean, we between me and Kyle, one of us has gotten him in every mock draft we've done, and I don't think that's going to change. I mean, he was sixth in routes run last season. It's a high-volume, high-upside offense that really has Stephon Diggs and then nobody else I trust. Diggs, we know, or Diggs, Diggs we know too. But Davis has the big upside play. We just know the per-play upside is there, and they air it out so much that I think given the number of routes and opportunities he has to find a pass and land on the connection side from a Josh Allen bomb, like I'm willing to slide him in as a flex entering the season. I know that's risky. I know he's going to be a little up and down, but I think the volume of routes, his part, his route participation, he's going to be on the field plenty. I think that's enough to get it done as he continues to grow into year four. And on his per catch basis here for his career, you only need 70 catches for him to approach 1200 yards and 11 touchdowns. Maybe the efficiency dips a little bit, but I don't think 70 catches is out of the question. If he gets there, he gets inside the top 25 at the position, which puts him in your lineup every week. Early on in the offseason, we talked about Gabe Davis just being like, what are we doing? Like, what what are we doing with this ADP right now with Gabe Davis? This is ridiculous. Scoop him up every single place that you can. He has risen up in ADP since that point. I think when we first started talking about him, he was like wide receiver 42 in ADP. Right now, he is wide receiver 35 in ADP. So... Kyle, where's that line? Where's that line where you go, okay, now this is a little bit too much risk where at this point as a wide receiver three, a wide receiver two on my roster, where's sort of that line where you're saying, okay, now there's just a little bit too much inconsistency where I can't live with that. Yeah, I mean, he can't, I don't think he can get to a wide receiver two. That's kind of where it would be. If he's wide receiver three, that puts him on the flex radar. That means you can, you can't start him on a weekly basis. To me right now, that's where he's at. Would it shock me if we're talking in November and he's, you know, locked into lineups. And when we're writing up previews for the week, it's like, oh yeah, you start Gabe Davis. Like, duh, you're not thinking. I think he has that potential. I don't think he's entering the season with it just because the upside or the roller coaster ride that we've ridden for three years and the rubber band from him being the most hyped guy in fantasy last year to kind of being forgotten about a little bit this year. He could get there. He's not starting the year there. That's, uh, That's where I stand on him. All right, Derek, let's wrap this conversation up. Your number four high upside player. Yeah, speaking about forgotten fantasy assets, Darren Waller represents a very high upside that we've seen in the past, right? In 2020, he was the PPR tight end number two. 
2019, he was the PPR tight end number three. And that was back when he saw at least 117 targets each of those two seasons. And he produced each and over 1,100 yards receiving in both of those breakout seasons, right? He still has that elite pass-catching profile at the tight end position. And he went to a team that is... I mean, I'm not calling thirsty Kyle. I'm saying the Giants were thirsty for a leading man in this passing game. And I think that Darren Waller is going to be the most targeted player in New York. Look, there's some other guys I like. You like Darius Slayton, Soppy. I like Jalen Hyatt. I, we don't know what we're going to see and when Wandale Robinson will be ready to return to the lineup. I mean, they had, what, what like 12 receivers in training camp this year? We They don't know who their number one is going to be. Isaiah Hodgins? Who knows? For me, it's Darren Waller in a landslide, and this is a guy that when he's seen a elite-level target share, he has produced elite-level tight end fantasy numbers. So for me, it's Darren Waller. In a season where he could see north of 115 targets, There is a that is within the range of outcomes, that means he could finish inside the top two tight ends because I don't think anybody's taken that from Travis Kelsey, but... I do think that it's possible a tight end to finish is within the range of outcomes this year for, for Darren Waller. We have uh, at, at PFN, we have a parlay calculator. And I think that we need to build in sort of parlay odds for who the three starting wide receivers for the New York Giants will be in week one. <laughs> I wouldn't bet it. I would not bet it. But man, the odds for hitting on that would be incredible because I just have zero clue who those other three wide receivers are going to be. We know that Darren Waller is going to be on the field, though. Uh, looking at who he's going next to in ADP, I did want to point this out. TJ Hawkinson and Darren Waller are going back to back in ADP right now. TJ Hawkinson missing practices, injured contract stuff going on. We don't know what is going on there with TJ Hawkinson. Which one are you taking right now in drafts? Sapi, I'll start with you. I'm still Hawkinson. Until we see this ear infection, maybe a mystery situation thing uh, really result in anything. I've got Hawkinson as my tight end too. I think he's got a chance to push Andrews and Waller for that matter. Like this isn't me talking down Waller very much on board. He's my tight end four. I'm a big fan of Waller. I think they're all in the same tier but I'm still going Hawkinson. As much as I want to be contrarian here and go with Darren Waller because of the case I just laid out, which I do firmly believe in, I'm still going to go with Hawkinson, even though he hasn't been practicing. I I saw that he was a very nice safety blanket for Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins last year in in an offense that I do think is going to throw the ball quite a bit more than the New York Giants. So it's still Hawkinson for me, but it's very, very close. Don't sound so sad. It's okay to pick Hawkinson. He's a good player. (laughs) I I don't, but I wanted to go with Waller because I just put out a really good argument anyway. (laughs) No, that's the, that goes back to what we were talking about with Mike Williams and Christian Watson, like New York Giants, what pass attempts 28 30 times per game minnesota 40 times per game but Mm -hmm. hawkinson is the number two option and waller could potentially be the number one it offsets there i do think that hawkinson is going to have more opportunity this year i would still go hawkinson as well Mm -hmm. but like you both said that is a close argument there all right final thing here as we wrap up the show who is one player that you're going into this big draft weekend and not leaving the draft without we i'm I know Soppy's answer, but I just wanted to throw it out here as a courtesy. A <laughs> Who is one player that you are going to get in every single draft this weekend if you possibly can? I mean, based on price, I've, I, there's no way I'm not getting Jacoby Myers. Like, there's just no way based on where I have him ranked and where everybody else drafts him. By the way, I, I have I, a bet going with my friends. I've kind of just put 
put this out there to my friends who listen to the podcast, a drinking sure. game, every time that you say Jacoby Myers oh, in a podcast, they're absolutely hammered every <laughs> single episode. You imagine if this streams live on Sunday mornings, like these people aren't going to make it to lunch. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, at Price, he's where I'm going. We've talked about Pacheco. We've talked about a bunch of my guys. I feel like they're pretty, uh, pretty well known at this point. Trevor Lawrence, if you're looking at the top of the board, is a quarterback that I think outkicks his coverage here as far as ADP is concerned. But yeah, I mean, Jacoby Myers, just because I believe in him, and you don't even have to believe in him like I do at his current price. I just did a mock and he was the last round pick. Like, there's no risk. I I can be wrong, sure, but I can only be so wrong because you're not losing your league if you draft Jacoby Myers. Very fair point. Uh, Derek, what about for you? You haven't turned me yet, Soppy. I still have zero shares. I got shares. a week. I got a week. <laughs> zero share. I, you have some time left, but still zero shares of Jacoby Myers as we sit here right now. So that being said, I, I'm not leaving without, say, Flowers. Uh, okay. I, I've been super high on this guy throughout the entire draft process. Uh, a lot of that has been validated or at least – somewhat verified by how well he has done throughout training camp and even in his brief preseason appearances. I'm just a huge fan of the player. I think that the Ravens offense is going to look completely different. If they start airing the ball out more with Todd Munkin now as the offensive coordinator, mm -hmm. I'm not a believer in Odell Beckham Jr. having a career renaissance, you know, at his age and not playing football for an entire season. And, and you know, Rashad Bateman hasn't been able to stay healthy on the field throughout his first th two seasons. I think Zay Flowers is the, the the top scoring fantasy receiver in Baltimore this year, and I'm not leaving drafts without him. For me, it's Elijah Moore. I've talked plenty about Elijah Moore here in Cleveland as that number two option. Uh, if we can see this offense take another step forward under Deshaun Watson in year two, then I think that we are in for a big, big year from Elijah Moore. And we even saw it in the preseason, them moving him around uh, and getting him the there ball just on clearly designed plays for him. I think that we're in line for a big year. And at the value point, ninth round of drafts right now, you can get him every single time as a wide receiver four, wide receiver five on your roster. Sign me up every single time. All right, remember, you can find our free fantasy football draft kit over at pfnfantasy.com. You need this for your draft this weekend. Make sure to go over pfnfantasy.com. It's right there at the top of the page for you. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, cheat sheets, consensus rankings, mock drafts, draft strategy articles, everything you need to dominate your draft can be found over at pfnfantasy.com. All right, that'll do it. For Derek Tate and Kyle Sapi. I'm Kyle Yates, and we'll see you next time.